Good afternoon. Yes, afternoon. As uh, Brian said, I'm one of the elders here. And um, Danny, that's my name. So I figure that you guys would, that you guys deserve at least, for those of you that know me, deserve at least one uh, service without shorts, tank top, chacos, and uh, socks. So I pray this is a blessing to you. <laughs> my dad, when, uh, when we would have Christmas Eve, so we did most of our Christmas celebration on Christmas Eve and um, growing up. And so when we would all come together, we would read the birth account. And so you'd come from Matthew and then you'd come from Luke and you'd hear about the wise men and, and the manger and the star and the shepherds and you'd hear about all these wonderful things that fulfilled so many prophecies. And, and then we would, you know, kind of break into everything else, you know, Christmas related. But it wasn't really even until I took the time uh, to prepare for this that I realized that there was a third account. And that third account comes from John. And in this account, we don't hear about the manger and we don't hear about the shepherds, although they were there. Um, we don't hear about the wise men that came, and uh, we don't hear about the inn, although they were, those things were there. But instead, we hear about how the Word became flesh. And I didn't, it didn't register to me that that was a third account until, until preparing for this. And so, we are going to read through this. It, it will not be a typical uh, Christmas Eve service, but... Um, let's dig in. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, and then we'll skip to 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And skip down to nine there. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who, who do receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. We're told throughout scripture that Jesus is the word. And we are told that in this passage, John tells us that the word was with God in the beginning. Now, there's some things in that that um, I want to break down. And, and what's really interesting about it is it doesn't say that, he, that the word was since the beginning or from the beginning, but the word was in the beginning. So whenever the beginning was, he was there. And so what we get to see here is that along with that is that Jesus or that the word was also with God, kind of stating that there's an equality, an equality with God. 
He was with him. And then it says that he was God. And so in that, we see that they are the same. And so the God of the universe became flesh. And we see that here in John. And so what does it mean for the word to become flesh? Well, the word is the clearest representation of the clearest manifestation of, of who you are. If there is somebody in the service that maybe you have not talked to, and you look across, and, and, and maybe you've seen them, you've seen them, um, they dress a certain way, they have a certain amount of kids, and, and so you, you can make, you, they, maybe they read a book, maybe they have a particular Bible version or whatever it is, and, and take this and, and apply it to whatever circumstance that you have. But if you do that, then you infer things about them, and you could be correct about those inferences. But the way that you would know is by asking them. The way you would know them is by asking them. In fact, you wouldn't even say that you'd met the person from inferences only. You would say that you met them by speaking to them. You may say, well, that person must love that version of the Bible. They carry it around, they have it with them, and then you ask them and they say, this was my grandfather's. I actually don't open it ever. And so you wouldn't know that until you'd met them. And so in this, what we find is that God, in the clearest, most accurate, most intimate revelation of himself, became flesh. What does it mean to become flesh? There's some babies in here. I don't spot them all, but they're in here. To become flesh, there's a reason it says soft as a baby's, as baby's skin. I believe, at least I believe that's the way that that is said. Bottom, there it is. Thank you. Soft as a baby's bottom. And I'm telling you, that skin is soft. The whole skin is soft. The word became flesh means he became soft. He became vulnerable. The divine became human. And in doing so, the divine became killable. He came down to save us. And this is the third account that we see of the Christmas story. Christmas highlights that only Christianity believes that the God of the universe, the God of all creation, came and became flesh. There's this uh, video that is circling the internet, and I'm sure I'm far behind it, so think back. But there's this Burger King, and again, nothing against Burger Kingers, but there are, there's this Burger King that these people stage this, this um this video, and they stage this, but what it is is that they find these people who come and order their, their, they take their order, and they have their order made for them, and in that, they, maybe there's a mistake on their order, and so they become so frustrated, and, and many of these people that were, that were in this video were very frustrated, and expressed this frustration about their order being incorrect, and then there, it goes on to show that there's this boy as being bullied by his seeming-to-be classmates. And this part is staged, but he's being bullied by his classmates. And what it goes through is it shows that these people who were so frustrated about their order didn't, many of them, some of them did, but many of them did not go and, and interject into this, this fight that was occurring to protect this young man. And I think there's a lot of things, and I even think that the thing I'm going to hammer on here wasn't even the point of this video, but, but there's many things to glean from this video. But one thing is that there is a 
a typical concept. There's, there's a, a reason that this, these people did not interject. And, and I would put forth, and I'm sure there's many reasons, but I'm going to put forth that, that these reasons could be that there was a fear of potential rejection, a fear of potential persecution for, for interjecting in that way, a fear of maybe being harmed themselves. Maybe they were afraid that these people who were pushing this young man would push them. Maybe they're just a, a fearful of, of being out of place. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But there, we, are, we can relate to this because we know that in us, we experience the same thing. Whether it would be in this situation or not, we fear these various things. And you can, like I said, you know. You know what it is for you. But you fear it, and it keeps you from interjecting into something. Or at least it's something you have to fight against fearing, right? And so there's this potential danger. And what I want to highlight in this is that Jesus Christ, from the beginning of the world, it says he was in the beginning. The word was in the beginning. From the beginning, he determined to come. He didn't fear potential danger. He didn't fear potential death. He didn't fear potential rejection, potential being forsaken. He didn't fear those things. He knew with all certainty that he would experience these things and yet chose to come. He knew. It wasn't a fear. He didn't, there wasn't a potential chance this would occur. He knew it would happen. Guys, anything that we could possibly experience, he knew would happen to him. And yet he chose to come. He chose to come while we were still sinning. He chose to come. As he was being knitted together in the womb, he chose to come. As he was born, as he grew, as he ministered, he chose to come. Scripture even tells us that he was tempted to to just be carried away, that Satan came to tempt him in that way. But yet he chose to come. He chose to stay for that period. The God of the universe has, through this event, through Jesus Christ becoming flesh, through the word becoming flesh, the God of the universe, the God of all creation has experienced hunger and loneliness, betrayal, injustice, homelessness, grief, and rejection. Have you been betrayed? So has he. Are you experiencing grief? So has he. Guys, I know Christmas can be a mixed bag of good and bad feelings that you have for, this reason, for many reasons, but he's experienced grief as well. Are you experiencing injustice? So has he. Are you poor? So was he. Are you hungry? So was he. Are you lonely? So was he. Are you facing death? So did he. You can go to him because he has experienced everything you could possibly experience. You can go to him. Do you? It says that he came and he dwelt among us. The word that it uses for dwelt is that he tabernacled among us. And John could have used, I'm sure, any number of of words that would have meant that he resided, he stayed, he was here. But it uses the word tabernacled. And I believe with its reference later on to the glory that we behold is that he's giving an indication of 
the tabernacle of the Old Testament, where the glory could not be fully beheld, and yet he tabernacled here. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the in, the unscalable majesty of our God didn't hold us at arm's length, but instead became vulnerable. He instead came to us. He came to us. He was soft. He came as a baby. He came in a form that could be cuddled, that was vulnerable and exposed for us. He paid the debt. He filled the gap. He satisfied the justice and the mercy of God by taking on everything that we deserve on himself so that those who confess him as Lord and believe that he's been raised from the dead would be saved. He was forsaken so that we could hear the words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Our sin, our condition, who we are, deserves death, pain, suffering, deserves to be forsaken. But when we confess him as Lord, then he takes that on himself and the, the justice of God is satisfied, the mercy of God is satisfied and we are saved and we get to be, have life in him. What does this mean for us and what does this mean for Christmas? It means that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross that he came and he filled the gap, that he experienced everything we could possibly go through and that was without sin. Hebrews chapter two tells us one of the reasons that that occurs is that therefore he had been made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people for because he himself has suffered when tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted. Guys, he came. And so this Christmas story is about that. It's about the word becoming flesh. It's about God revealing himself through the word becoming flesh, becoming Jesus Christ, and then the word being revealed to us now. The thing that we have to look at today with all of that is that if everything that the word is saying is true, then you cannot stay on the fence today. You cannot stay on the fence today. There is a, it says that there was Simeon, who was a, a priest, I believe. He was a priest. And in Luke, it says that he, when Jesus was brought into the temple, it says, he, 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 it was revealed to him that he would see the Christ coming. And this is what he says. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. This is just after he sees Jesus Christ. Lord, you now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. We wait in that same anxious anticipation today. For his glorious return. Guys, you cannot stand on the fence. You have to make a decision today. If you do not, if you're not, if you are on the fence, you have to say, with this information, you have to say that either 
he is a fool and didn't know what he was talking about, that he was evil and you should run from him. But if what he says is true, you have to throw everything at his feet and say, please command me and build your life around him. You don't have a choice. You can't stay on the fence. And I don't know what that means for you. Many of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time, but you know what? Maybe that's a sin that you're holding on to. Maybe you don't yet know him. I would encourage you. I would beg you that no matter what it is that's going on inside of you, that you would come to him just as he came to us. Come to him. Allow yourself to come to him. He is coming and he's coming soon. And don't let time go by without laying down everything at his feet and saying, Lord, please command me. He can change you and he can heal you. I'm going to invite the band back up. And as they're coming up, I'm going to read a couple things. John, at the end of it, towards the end of it, John chapter 20 says, it it talks about why it's written this way. Why did John choose under the power of the Holy Spirit to write it this way? Why is is the Christmas account written this way? And John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If there's something that's distracting you right now, please listen to this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Guys, he experienced it all. He came, the word became flesh. He experienced it all. Come to him. Come to him. If there's something that you're holding on to, let it go. Come to him. If you need help doing that and ask somebody for prayer, please do. If you don't yet know him, in fact, Maybe this is the first thing you're ever hearing about him. Ask somebody next to you. Who is this word that became flesh? Who is this person? If what you're saying is true, I can't sit on the fence. Who is he? I want to end with one last verse. And it's the third verse to um, the song, O Come, All Ye Faithful. After I read this, I want to pray for us. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. Lord, I ask that we would take a moment that as the band plays and they, and that under your guidance, Lord, would create this space, Lord, that we could go one way or the other, that we could not stand on, sit on the fence, but, Lord, that we could come and lay whatever it is at your feet. Lord, I ask that we would listen to that, that we would put away the things that would distract us right now. 
but instead come to him, come to you. Lord, if there's anything in my heart, Lord, that is not of you, Lord, I ask that you would help me to throw it at your feet and come to you. If there's someone here that doesn't yet know you, Lord, I ask that you give them the courage. Give them the courage. It is not an accident that you put them here today. Give them the courage to ask and then come to you. Lord, we ask all these things in your holy name.